0: Welcome to another Archives podcast. I am joined by some general paediatricians to think about what the future for general paediatricians is and what the challenges for us working in general paediatrics are. My name is Ashley Reese. I'm a general paediatrician and I work in Hertfordshire. I'm going to ask my colleagues around the table to introduce themselves.
1: I'm Raman Lakshman. I'm a consultant paediatrician at West Suffolk Hospital at Bury St Edmunds. I'm also the CSAC Chair for General Paediatrics with the College.
2: And I'm Andy Raffles. I'm a consultant paediatrician also in Hertfordshire. And looking around the table, probably one of the older paediatricians that you'll find, and I do feel I'm a generalist.
3: I'm Colin Powell. I'm Senior Lecturer in General Paediatrics at Cardiff University and uh, a general paediatrician with a special interest in general paediatrics. I'm also Chair of the British Association of General Paediatricians.
1: Latchman,
0: first of all can we define a general paediatrician?
1: I think uh, that's a very good question, Ashley, and I think part of today's remit, we thought, was trying to understand exactly what a general paediatrician is. Now, we recently did a, a, a survey of uh, trainees you know, who were sitting the ST7 pilot uh, f- uh, examinations. And this was actually done by Fiona Watson, who's uh, on the CSAC as a trainee representative. And uh, she asked um, trainees to tell us what was their, you know, what was their experience about their training, and whether they thought they were getting what they wanted. Uh, and a large number of them actually said that they felt the training was only uh, adequate if they came out with a subspecialty experience. Now, this is something which I think, at least, I'm very keen that I need to dispel this myth that. You're only a proper pediatrician if you've come out with a subspecialty uh, experience. And I think there is a huge role for somebody who is able to cover the wide breadth of pediatrics and I think who forms a very good link between primary care and tertiary care. So I see, I see general pediatrician actually as the, as the uh, sort of basic platform providing uh, pediatric care
0: Colin, you work in a tertiary centre as a general paediatrician. What what challenges are there for for you having your specialist nearby?
3: I think there are quite a few challenges at uh, at both ends of my. Um, my service, the primary secondary care interface, I think is a huge challenge, which I think we should be focusing on in a moment, but the other challenge is the secondary tertiary care interface. I see myself and my other general colleagues in a teaching hospital as secondary uh, level paediatrics and delivering a general paediatric service to the patients of uh, Cardiff where I work. But there's also this interface between the tertiary specialist and the the secondary specialist. It's much easier for me to ask for an opinion um, from the endocrinologist who is in the office next to me that I'm sure it is for my other colleagues who don't have such easy access. But I actually see that as a big problem because often the junior staff will be coming through and will have referred patients on to the tertiary specialists around before they've even actually gone through the tertiary level. I actually find this quite irritating because they should, of course, be talking to uh, the consulting child of the patient first before... Um, actually referring on to the tertiary specialist because um, I have quite a lot of experience in lots of different areas and I'm quite happy to make a diagnosis of eczema without getting the dermatologist in for example. I think actually it illustrates to me on a number of occasions that the juniors coming through when they do that when they refer straight on to the tertiary specialist um, that they actually are um, underplaying the importance of general paediatrics. I'm quite happy to see a lot of paediatric problems I have a different threshold to refer on to the tertiary specialist than other of my general colleagues and I think we all have to acknowledge that and we'll be quite happy to say for example manage a respiratory problem much more to a, a tertiary level than for example a liver problem.
0: Is, is that a training issue then? T-
3: trainees are spending less time in training
0: so they're less experienced and therefore yeah, I they think... might have a tendency to <coughs> not be able maybe to manage cases whereas people who trained some time ago might be able to do that.
3: I think it is a training issue and I think uh, I will regularly see someone has worked out that it might be an endocrine problem or a gastro problem and they say right let's refer on to the um, tertiary specialist and my question will be to them well what do you think is going on and what do you think you should be doing and what's your diagnosis here and they haven't thought that far and these are people who've gone quite far in their training Um, I, I think that's a big problem people in their training, seem to stop thinking about where to go next. That's probably quite an inflammatory thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, I think, uh, and Andy, trainees who c- come to
0: the end of their training and who haven't made, a, a spe- made themselves a specialist, so on paper, in terms of CCT, they're general paediatricians, get, get a bit panicky, I see, and say, well, I haven't, haven't got anything to sell myself with. In terms of, you know, workforce and, uh, you know, the general paediatric units out there, um,
2: there's important roles for um, general paediatricians still. Quite right. And I think across the country right now, um, there's a huge sea change in how we're providing paediatric services. I think the challenge for trainees is they've got the competencies because they've ticked the boxes. And that's where we have moved to over the last few years. But they don't have the confidence. And Colin's point about being quite annoyed when you find that one of your trainees in a setting has already rung a tertiary centre without discussing it with a consultant has meant that we actually have an operating policy that says you you can't do that. You may be right at some point, but if if you disinvolve your local service, you're actually disinvolving yourself. But the way we train people now means that if you do pick up a specialty interest, you have a lack of experience in the things that you're going to see commonly that you may need to deal with. And I think that that's the challenge. And I think if we recognize that general paediatrics probably needs its own specific training, there's a lot of experiential learning. So we have another issue is that even when you're appointed as a consultant to a changing service, and the generalist has this issue matched only, I think, in general practice by seeing undifferentiated paediatrics. You have to make a decision whether something's significant or not. And if you don't have inpatient beds, which is where my interest has been for a few years, where you we've moved inpatient beds perhaps into smaller number of centres you have to make some quite complex fast decision making and to get to that point you need a lot of experience and our shortened training times have made it very difficult for trainees so i think it's a big challenge and i think that now brings up a new issue of when you are appointed as a consultant you should expect mentorship and support so that if there is something you're not familiar with or not come across you don't worry about ringing
3: another colleague and i just want to come back Um, Just to highlight uh, a comment you made on a number of occasions from what you were saying, and that's the undifferentiated symptoms. When we were talking about the definition of general paediatrics, I think that's where our expertise is. It's in dealing with uh, a family, a child presenting with undifferentiated symptoms and trying to work out what is going on. And I think that's one of the things that a general paediatrician should be able to do well. So maybe going back to where we first started about the definition of a general pediatrician, I think it's expertise in undifferentiated symptoms in children and families.
0: We've talked a bit about acute presentations and uh, reducing inpatient stays and shorter unit stays. And I know that other specialties like surgeons, for example, have talked about acute surgeons and managing the the, the first 24, 48 hours. The hospitalist. Well, something like that. I I wonder, actually, whether that's a a possibility um, for General pediatrics, where um, there's a call and a need for consultant delivered care on the front line, and are we looking to make another tier, if you like, of, of, of general pediatrics that is the acute competent general pediatric specialist?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think this again highlights how service delivery and the vision for the future are so closely linked to what training we need to provide because. Depending on what we see coming up in the future, we need to train our trainees to meet those challenges and you know we, we, there are various issues here i mean as we, again, the thresholds between primary and secondary and how much of primary care so called general pediatricians should be uh, uh, providing the danger is that if we start referring a lot of patients to tertiary care, then the uh, the cost of the cost of care you know keeps uh, increasing. So I think what what is needed is making general paediatrics training thinking about it, making sure the objectives are smart. I know we have got curriculum and it's got a you know they're very thick documents, but often what trainees tell me is that they need measurable, achievable, realistic uh, goals which they think they can achieve uh, during their period, and which will prepare them uh, to do the job that they think they will be doing. So right at the beginning, I think we need to be clear on where general paediatrics is going. What are the different types of doctors? You know, it might be we need hospitalists who are trained differently. Um, We've got the office paediatricians. And again, there is this question of whether as people get more senior or more experienced, whether they do much more office work, uh, 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 more outpatient work.
2: I think the general paediatricians are the ones who, if they exist and exist in the future, are going to experience more change than anybody else. Specialism becomes super-specialism. and I look at my adult colleagues. Look at intensive care units. When I came into hospital medicine, they were run by anaesthetists, intensive care units. Now they're run by intensivists. and that they come from a mixture of backgrounds. And this issue of the neonatal paediatrician belonging in the in the nice, comfortable group of paediatricians, well, that's great, except in a district-general setting, our neonatal paediatricians are now becoming so expert in what they do. It's very hard to get them to see children over the age of two. Now, some people might argue that's wrong, but that's what specialism is about. And we need that specialism. And, and the, exactly as Colin said, paediatrics of today is very different from when I was a trainee. Wards of... Constipated children, children with terrible arthritis with deformed joints waiting for orthopedics, festooned with IVs for a bad asthma. Now what we have is small numbers of very complex children, and that has changed enormously. So we invented, in my view, we invented ambulatory care to deal with those children who didn't have that level of need, but who clearly had to. They came in undifferentiated. So that's actually why general pediatrics is so so enjoyable. But we do have to have some idea of what this job means. Otherwise, I I have a grave concern that general paediatrics will disappear.
0: I want to just come back to something a bit earlier, but uh, we talked about primary and secondary care interface, and and, and certainly for for those of us working in district general hospitals, the the majority of our ST1 to 3 trainees are from general practice, and they come into paediatrics to pick up general paediatric skills. I have anxiety about... Amount of time they spend in service and what what part of service they do. For example, they don't often get to outpatients, for example, they don't get a chance to go out and see the
3: community paediatric setup. Um, Our registrars currently don't get to outpatients at the moment, which I think is important. Well,
0: the the problem goes through the the grade, definitely, and I think it's a, a challenge to allow the service to allow that to happen, but it's
2: essential. It goes back to Lachman's comment about the service and training. And your point about outpatients, your point about appropriate experience is very, very valid at all grades. And I think it's concerning that if registrars aren't getting to clinics, um, we have a problem, and and this is the complexities now of delivering our services generally. I think it doesn't matter whether you're a specialist service or a generalist service, it is a very great challenge. And we're very quickly spiralling... Downwards, I think, in this, and and it's our responsibility to to help put this right. In answer to that, you you do wonder about trainees being supernumerary, and this brings in the issue of the alternative workforce. And well trained advanced nurse practitioners, in my view, are often so worth having. And some rotors, particularly neonatal units now, have neonatal nurse practitioners. And this allows your paediatric trainee that little bit of scope that, that at the moment we can't give them. The downside is, who gets asked to do the difficult blood taking? It's the paediatric paediatric doctor, and yet they may have less experience than the
3: advanced nurse practitioner who's asking them to help. We've got about six now acute nurse practitioners for acute paediatrics, and they are absolutely brilliant. And I know that the number of nursing bodies are very concerned about us developing this model for the future, because we're taking experienced nurses from the ward from nursing and to getting them to do junior doctor's work. And so it's actually moving expertise from nursing into the gen- into paediatric world. And I think that's a big challenge. Actually, you
2: made the point that the majority of the people we train are actually for general practice. And are we actually training them in the right way? Our trainees now know that if they see a child with lymphadenopathy, full blood count, CRP, if that's fine, reassure. We now get referral letters from people we've trained, so they're now in general practice. They've seen them with infantinopathy. They've done the full blood count and the CRP. It doesn't leave me anything else to do. And there is a conflict there. And, and the issue then is, are we training people with all the right elements and competencies?
1: Can they reassure families? And I think we also need to look at this increasing number of referrals, both cold as well as hot, from primary care, which come to A&E or child assessment units. I mean, how do we explain this? Obviously, most, most GP trainees now do spend time in paediatrics.
0: Let's try and sum up. Maybe uh, we could each just uh, think of one one challenge for the future. Uh,
1: I mean, all, all I want to say is that I think it's it's a time for us to pause and reflect, see where we are, where we want to go, and I think you know there's a there's there's a link between training and service delivery and unless we know where we are going and what services are going to look like it's very difficult to design the training uh, given that you know training is evolving and we are training for the rest of our lives but even then i think what sort of training should our trainees get a lot of it will depend on where we see the future of uh, mainly general paediatrics i think
3: colin workforce resources service reconfiguration how we deliver our acute and our chronic services, I think are huge challenges. Andy? Well, I think the main issue for me is that we
2: as paediatricians, and I'm going to say and a college of paediatrics and child health, and there are colleges of general practice as well, need to take hold of our own destiny and steer it in the way we feel it's best. Because if we don't, somebody else is going to. And I think that for us is a big challenge. And I don't think there's anyone who listens to this can sit back and say, well, I'll just see what happens. Because if you do, something will happen to you that may not be the best for the people we're trying to serve, which ultimately is the children and families.